Hello and welcome to the Manic Film Club, the film review show where we say things like, well, if you steal paintings from a dead man, you fully deserve to get murdered by magic paintings. I'm your host, it's Liam, and sitting across from me, via the powers of the internet, it's Tobias. Hello, you fab folk. How are you getting on? Um, I'm alright. I'm yeah. good. <laughs> the, yeah. the length of your arm, which I won't edit out, was... <laughs> I'm not sure backs the statement up. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely had to consider if I was all right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't in, want to these, be in these trying times, you have to think. I didn't want to be flippant about it. No, I thought, no, I'm sure. going to give an honest answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair enough, that's fair enough. Yeah, I'm still slightly on the fence about it. I'm not quite... <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll, have, we'll review it towards the end. I'll see how you're now. You're like, well, I'll make my mind up. <laughs> I'm a bit of a miss, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> so... Velvet Buzzsaw. That's that's what it's called. That's the thing that we did watch. Yeah, and we, we're going to review that now, aren't we? I don't know. Now, in all fairness, we haven't discussed it at all. No, not at all. Not even a little bit. No. So, um, this is the synopsis according to Netflix. A feared critic, an IC gallery owner, and an ambitious assistant snap up a recently deceased artist's stash of paintings with dire consequences. Okay, now Velvet Buzzsaw came out last year. It's directed by Dan Gilroy and stars Jake Gyllenhaal, Renu Russo and Zoe Ashton, plus yeah. others. Quite a big cast, actually. It is quite a collective, isn't it, more than anything? Yeah. Now, this might slightly give something away about my feelings. I do wonder why it had so many names in it, what they were drawn to about it. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, I know that Jake Gyllenhaal and Renu Russo, the parts were written directly for them. Well, Rene Russo is married to the director. Oh, I so, didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yes. So that that's one way that she got into the film. Yeah. And so, he's but, I mean, with... I know that those two were, were written directly for them. But well, there's a film called the Nightcrawler, and Jake Gyllenhaal was in that, and that was Dan Gilroy. Yeah. Film. When I was when I was looking, doing a bit of the research for my, my notes, which I did actually make this week. Yeah. I mean, that is the one that kept coming up by by the collective was Nightcrawler. I don't know anything about it. I haven't seen it. I have seen it. I believe. Uh, I think, spoiler alert, Jake Gyllenhaal plays a murderer. Oh. Yeah, I'm sure I've seen it. I'm sure it's on Netflix, actually. Because if it's not on Netflix, I haven't seen it. I'm I mean, it, of it's, one of, it's one of the three films that Dan Gore has directed, so... Yeah, but you know one of them that he's written that you've watched recently? Um, no. Oh, Kong, no. Kong Skull Island. Oh, really? Didn't know that. Yeah, he wrote that, yeah. Very different. I, I saw that he'd also written Born Legacy, but that was... Kind of the one I yeah, to be honest, that's one I've not seen. So I don't think I've seen any of the Bourne series since the first one. I've watched the first two, but in the wrong order. Yeah. I went to, I went to the cinema to see the second one, not realising it was the second one. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, and then watched the first one and kind of wish I'd watched them in that order. But we're not talking about them. Uh, we are talking about Velvet Buzzsaw. Liam, what do yeah. you think? I fell asleep. Really? Yeah. I mean, you, I will you, say, I didn't, like, miss a massive amount of the film. It was about say, midway through. Not... <laughs> it was did about midway through. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Um, but right. I, I, I only missed, like, ten minutes of it. I can tell you exactly what part of the film I woke up just before, and it's spoilers. It was just before um, Don Don, the, like, competing uh, gallery owner, kind of got killed in the whole hanging thing. And I say, literally, I I fell asleep for about five ten minutes between just before the the uh, John Don Don kind of went into the the three D room and then kind of 
got hung by a hand and stuff. Um, but I will say that f- the best way to describe this film for me is I struggled with it slightly less than the basketball film because I wasn't 100% uninterested in this. Right. For me, it's very much a film of two halves. Because uh, I, I read the synopsis on this podcast last time yeah. and then forgot about it. All I had was really, I knew some of the cast who were in it and I knew the title. Yeah. So it started and I didn't know that there was going to be anything supernatural about it at all. Right. Okay. You know, you see, the thing is, I did the same as you. I forgot what it was about. So I Googled the um, synopsis again. Oh. The, base, the base synopsis that I found, which is literally the one that if you Google it, it comes up on the right hand side. Yes. Yeah. It literally says roughly after some paintings are start taken from a deceased neighbor, um, uh, revenge is exacted through art haters through a supernatural method, basically. You see, I didn't have the supernatural thing, but that if you go in blind, yeah, you, you're going to react one of two ways. Oh, yeah, you're going to react like, oh, this is ta- taking a turn, or oh, this well, is the thing is, if you've I gone in expecting be. a full serious art film, which at first. The first, I'm not going to say half, but the first bit of it yeah. is quite cold. Yeah. yeah. And I, through that bit, I couldn't see you enjoying it, to be honest. It didn't seem like your kind of film. But then you quite like monstery stuff. I do. So when it got supernatural, I thought, well, maybe this is where it picks up for you. But for me, it then felt silly. Yeah. I've written two lines that describe my feelings on this film. The first yeah. one is dull and nothing really happens. The second line is the deaths are the highlights, but even they feel half-hearted. I, it raised an eyebrow when you see monkeys come out of a painting. It's a talking point. Definitely a film I would probably talk to someone about. But like, have you seen this film? It's a, it's a bit odd. But it all just, I don't know. Even when people are being murdered by paintings through whatever method it happens... I was still feeling a bit like, oh, all right then. The, to be honest, the only time I was out where I like, this is pretty cool, was that first one with the painting with the monkeys. But like when he's sitting in his car and he's got the yeah. van and he's got the painting. It was building. It was building. To yeah, that built quite well. The rest of them did very typical horror tropes of, okay, someone's going to die in a minute. It, it killed one off each kind of scene. Basically. It was literally yeah. like, the, from that point on, any time one of the main kind of characters was on their own, I kind of yeah. went, are you with with or near one of the paintings? Because if you are and you're on your own, this is probably your scene. There's one particular, I can't call it a painting, a piece of art. And it's a giant silver ball yeah. which has holes. The sphere. Yeah. I didn't mind that death as a concept. No. But the execution still was a little bit meh. The problem is... When it is just someone, because of the concept of that sculpture piece is that it's got lots of random holes in it, and its selling point is that you randomly put your arm into one of its many holes, and it's just kind of meant to make you feel different depending on it's your got personal state sensations of mind. Sensations depending on which yeah. hole as well. And obviously, yeah. the, the the agent puts her arm in and basically loses it. But it did just feel like she put her arm in and then started juddering against it, and then just did the classic reveal of now I've not got an arm. Yeah, and I would say considering it's Tony Collette who is very famous. I believe she may have won an Oscar. She's won awards. She was in Knives so, Out, which is the thing I've seen her in recently. Well, she's Muriel in Muriel's Wedding. That's like okay, what launched her. Uh, she's in Sixth Sense. She's the mother in Sixth Sense. All right. Um, she's famous, and she's done a good body of work. 
And this comes back to, I don't get why an actress of that caliber would want that role. No, it's weird. And also, that role ended quite pathetically. Yeah. You know, um, I I would say. It might be the appeal of being in a film that's a little bit different from what it looks like on the surface. Maybe. And it is very much, there's a. There is a turn once, once um, Zoe Ashton, who, I mean, the uh, American listeners might not know her beyond this film. No. We know her from things like Fresh Meat. She's in a TV comedy here. Yeah. Uh, she was in an episode of Misfits. You know, I very much know her from British stuff. Yeah. Um, so it is quite odd to see her now mixing... Not just mixing, but having sex scenes with Jake she, Gyllenhaal. She is a very out-of-place name compared to the rest of the cast. High up in the cast as well. Mm. She's credited third. Um, and I think she's probably, in a way, our folk... Well, no, Jake Gyllenhaal's our focal character, but she's quite important. She's Well, the thing is, obviously, like, Jake Gyllenhaal's your, your focal, like, main lead, because it's kind of... He's your reviewer, isn't he? Yeah. He's your critic, who kind of makes or breaks people, and he very much does throughout the film but it kind of almost jumps onto josephina which is zoe ashton's character because yeah. she's the one that finds the paintings in the neighbor's flat after she, after the, the the guy dies and um so yeah you kind of follow her my problem is i don't think she's likable at all um she was cold I, at no point in that film did i feel she was remotely likable i actually only really had one character who i actually vaguely liked and that was coco Played by uh, Natalia Dyer from Stranger Things. Um, and to a point, oh. still quite a cold character in a way. But I always find John Malkovich quite interesting. But again, yeah. had no clue as why he was in the film. No, it, again, random name. I reckon it was just quite a interesting, an interesting project. Uh, right. Now, how spoilery are you happy getting at this point? I think it's all in, really. I mean, I opened up by saying there were magic paintings that kill people. Yeah, but yeah, that's true. All right, I'm going to go full in. Okay, cool. Now, and mine was, I spent a lot of the film with the thought process of why it was called Velvet Bustle. Yeah. Now, we early on see that Rene Russo's character, who is Redora, she has on her neck, for some random reason, uh, a tattoo which is named Velvet Bustle. They do explain it. Do they? they? Explain, oh, yeah, right. they explained it very early on. The, the initial opening of it, when they're all at the... the um, it's, it's the auction where, they, where the Sphere first comes into it. And she's outside on the balcony talking to the guy who created Sphere. Right. Uh, the, the black gentleman who gets with uh, Josephina later on. She's outside on the balcony talking to him because she wants to recruit him and get him over into her gallery. Right. And he says, oh, I know all about you. You used to be part of this big art duo. Um, it was you and someone else called like Penny or Poppy. And I know that you are you were really big until she left and your career went down. And their duo was called Velvet Bustle. Oh, you see, I missed um, that. Yeah, I just picked it up, but it was a very throwaway moment that explains the title and the tattoo. Well, I <laughs> she said she was embarrassed about it. That was kind of the key. But I missed I missed the reference. I the only reference I had to the title of the film was that it's called Velvet Bustle. And even with that explanation, I don't get why the film's called Velvet Bustle, other than it's a sort of a catchy title. Yeah. I mean, obviously, now this is what I mean about full-on spoiler. 
her tattoo starts spinning and it kills her. Yeah. Now that well, nothing really shocked me because once characters start dying. Yeah. But I had it that maybe because it was called Velvet Buzzsaw, she might survive the film. It was looking like that, wasn't it? Yeah, but actually, the only person who survives the film, really, properly, is John Malkovich. And it seems to be because he can't actually Coco. create any... Coco, Coco. Know, yeah. But they're not creative. They're not really the hardcore, no. nasty people. I, I mean, the, but... the key is that whether it's it it's a haunting or it's a curse or whatever it is, because it kind of leans into the haunting, doesn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. Is, or possession of, of art. Um, it leans into the idea that um, anyone who disrespects or hates art in a certain way or loathes it or can profit it. Basically, if you're not using it in a positive way, that's when you become a victim. But at the same time, I mean, as we, we said, the art that is the focus of it is from this dead guy called Deese. Yeah. Um, and he, every bit of his art has his blood in it. Yeah. And we are giving his history, which I don't necessarily think we need to go into on the podcast. No. Because no, if it's, it's not, just someone's one of those to listen extra to it. details, isn't it, yeah. really? It's nice. I, th- oh, I hit my laptop. Uh, <laughs> I think it's nice that they did give it, because it kind of gave it some substance rather than just having... It gave art. you that little, little kind of extra detail that kind of fueled the rest of the logic to the film, because obviously like all the themes of his painting were from his life, really. Yeah. But what I was kind of disappointed about, and oh, I don't know if this point is the word, for things to make sense. Yeah. It's not particularly his art that kills people. No, it's odd, isn't it? I mean, it starts off looking like it's going to be. Yeah. And, you know, it's that thing of it's other art, really. His art, which is supposedly the cursed art. Yeah. Doesn't. <laughs> I reckon it's easier to to put it into more of like a virus kind of <laughs> ironic virus yeah. kind of view that his art is the carrier of the spirit, the curse, because it's whoever's in contact with the spirit then gets what they deserve. So like the guy, the guy who the monkey painting guy, yeah. he obviously is transporting a load of paintings to a warehouse to basically secretly store them until they can sell them in a second wave. Yeah. Uh, the actor, then, by the way, he, is Billy Magnuson. Okay, cool, cool, cool. He's from things oh, yeah. like Game Night. Yeah. Uh, his character's name is Bryson. Yeah. And he's basically transporting them to sell them in a second wave, but gets a little bit greedy and tries to steal one of the paintings. Yeah. Um, and that, obviously, from that moment on, he's, by the art, if you will, as unworthy, if you're putting it into, you know, Mjolnir kind of terms, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Thor's hammer and all that. Then, obviously, the painting he's trying to steal kind of, Sets him on fire somehow, and that is kind of the start of it. Well, but then no, I, he's I... Uh, gonna light a cigarette. Yeah, but he drops it, it. It does that thing of it shows the painting crisping up with flame, doesn't it? A little bit. Uh, we see that at a different point. We do see right the first time when uh, Zoe Ashton's character uh, Josvina finds the art. Yeah, in a fireplace, well. and we see a bit of it burn. So actually, from that point, when uh, Bryce, did you say? Yeah, he's the first character to die. Yeah, from the painting. And actually, I will say that it kind of was a moment for me where I went because I wasn't made up on the film at that point. I was like, this could just be a really dull, long art film for me. 
But yeah. then it was the way it kind of went about. I was like, oh, okay, this might be all right. But you see, you see, that was the twist for me because yeah. actually that was a build up. And watching it, I was thinking, right, are they going to kind of put some sort of curse to it? But I didn't think because I didn't know about the supernatural element. I didn't think there was literally going to be a curse. I just no. thought bad things were going to happen. Almost like a like a Final Fantasy kind of not Final Fantasy, um, Final Destination <laughs> kind of thing where just natural yeah. events happen. To be honest, I thought because I at no point didn't think there was going to be a death in the film, but I thought people were just going to be ruthless with each other and yeah. try, you know, and I could see Jake Gyllenhaal's character killing someone and all this kind of stuff. And that's just not where it went. So whereas it sort of perked, the film perked up for you. Yeah. It's actually, I I had accepted that early part of the film for yeah. what I thought it was. And whilst I can't say I was necessarily enjoying it, I was watching it with that frame of mind. So had it continued and gone the direction I guess I thought, thought it was going to, yeah. I think I would have... Well, I don't know. Maybe I would have enjoyed it by the end. But this turn sort of made... Initially, it went... I was like, as I say, monkeys coming out of a painting caught my attention. Yeah. But after that point, I kind of lost interest. It just became a monster flick, really. Yeah, I mean, there was that interest of trying to figure out, okay, well, how is the next person going to die? Is it going to be... Because obviously, if you go back to Bryson... The painting he, he he takes out is like of a face looking forward, but with a second face looking to one side. And obviously, while while he's driving, you see the second face looking to the side morph into the normal face, so it becomes a singular face. And that's kind of there's something like that in every death to, to show that the curse is active. Yeah, there's a sort of a morphing effect, like and a hand all, moving yeah. or so whatever. Yeah. It's kind of like the. Did you say the artist's name is Deese? Because I can't. Deece, that's a bit, yeah. yeah. So like the Deese painting would do something morph-wise to show it was active, and then another bit of art would basically do the murder yeah. or kill. Um, it. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It was interesting enough. There was elements of it that were interesting, but I just felt there was a lot of blandness. When I again, when I was looking up for my my notes, I did see one review which actually did sum up for me quite well. Was that considering the size of the cast, Jake Gyllenhaal does his best to really act well, but somehow that's just not enough. All the acting just felt a little bit nothing. It's by the numbers, it's by the numbers. Very much so. Which is funny for an art-driven thing that is basically <laughs> painting by numbers. It's um, it tries to be something more than it is. Yeah. But ends up being quite messy because of it. It's very inconsistent. Very much. Um, so. I think maybe I would have liked a heads up at the beginning that it was supernatural. Yeah. So then I would have been in that mindset of because I I hate to say it this way, I thought it was going to be an intelligent film. Yeah. And the problem is the moment you fall back on as much as I like a supernatural film like or a monster flick, the moment you fall back on that, you do lose like an authenticity level to it. Yeah. And you kind I, of go, Well, you're gonna be just brute force at point from this point on now. And it kind of was. Uh, Yes, it was just, we're going to kill someone off each scene now. Uh, we're not even going to surprise you with who it's going to be. No, it was pretty obvious. The one redeeming quality for me is, I would say I'm not the hugest Jake Gyllenhaal fan. I don't dislike him, but I wouldn't say he's. I'm part of his fan club. He plays a character called Morph Vanderwalt, and, yes, um, so. which is a great yeah, name. It is, yeah. um, and I will say, the first time they said his name Morph, I did have to listen to it several times and go, are you saying Morph? Yeah. Well, it's <laughs> um, M-O-R-F. M-O-R-F. Yeah, because yeah. um, I thought it said Mort, 
a couple of times, but I think it is Morph. But um, obviously, from about the halfway point in the film, where he starts to realise something's not right. You know, he he starts seeing things move, and he thinks his eyesight is going. He thinks he's losing his mind a little bit. It was interesting seeing how he dealt with that. Um, like even when he's in, he's in bed with Josephina, and you know, while while they're in the throes of passion, he sees one of the patients kind of reach out reach out for him, and yeah. he freaks out a little bit. And it, that was interesting. And then once he fully knows it's because of these paintings, he's like, no, you can't sell them. You must not sell them. It was interesting seeing how Jake Gyllenhaal did that. And I will say, I don't think the writing is terribly bad. I just think no. it's just performed a bit bad. Not, not even badly, just blandly. So that's where I kind of think, right, I want you to either be this art-related cutthroat world where yeah. actually the dialogue is quite intelligent. Yeah. And snippy, very snippy. Everyone's horrible. But I can get into that if it's written well. Or this full-on supernatural painting is going to kill you. It never decides which side of the fence it's on. It tries to be both. And I, I guess yeah. I get that, but it's a little bit... Um, well, in case... Well, I'm not really... The problem really is, even it. <laughs> once it's fully settled that it's going to be supernatural paintings somehow killing people, it still tries to be artsy. And ha- yeah. they still try to have the intelligent art conversations with each other. And yes. it's like, why are you doing this now? Yeah. It's not adding to it. It's just kind of... Conf- it's confusing it. You've basically already given up on it. Yeah. And so, But you keep every now and then trying... It keeps going, we're an yes. art film. Now, did you read at what point Dan Gilroy came up with this? Uh, yeah. Do you want to say or do you want me to say? If I let you say, because you'll probably, you'll probably say it better than me. Well, uh, there was a Superman project many years ago. Yeah. Uh, and it was basically, it was let, let go of. They'd already put a lot of work into it. Superman Lives, um, it was going to be a big, I think, was it James Cameron? Am I making that? But no, Tim I'm Burton. Not sure I'm I think not sure. it's Tim Tim Burton. If I'm right here, I could. I don't think I'm mixing this up. Tim Burton was going to do a Superman film with Nicolas Cage as Superman, and it's quite famous because they literally had the sets, they had the costume. You you can see pictures yeah. of Nicolas. Uh, Dan oh, Gilroy. That's the Nicolas Cage yeah. one. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, and apparently, it was very. They had a big idea for it, and Kevin Smith often says he would have loved to have seen it because he thinks it would have actually been good. Dan Gilroy worked on that and they were all let go because basically it was already racking up money and yeah. the studio pulled the rug. The budget just wasn't seemed, there for it, was it? Yeah, and it seemed that Dan Gilroy became a little bit cynical of critics and all this kind of stuff. And he actually came up with the idea for the Velvet Buzzsaw then. Yeah. Um... I, I don't think it explains it fully, but I do think for for a film that he's had in his mind for at least a decade, if not longer. Yeah. I think they should have spent longer on it. Cause... Yeah, <laughs> I, I do agree. Something that um, I'll follow on from what you just said about Superman yeah. Lives and that process. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you saw the same bit of information that I did, but he came up with the idea of it whilst um, wandering and sitting on a beach. And it, that is shown in the film. It's the very end over the credits yes. when John Malkovich is tracing in the sand. Yeah. And it said that is, that's kind of, uh, is it homage to, to his process yeah. of how he came up with the film? Because, yeah. again, he was feeling lost. He kind of put a lot of time and effort into this thing and was just kind of sitting and wandering through, through the beach and just 
doodling in the sand and that's yeah. when his thought process came together and he, he put that in the film just kind of for himself really which I think is quite a nice touch maybe that's the only reason John Malkovich is there yeah because otherwise I guess you have to have a famous name in that character yeah because otherwise that character does seem pretty pointless he is a very throwaway character if you and you think if he was any other character swap him swap him with um tom sturridge which is john don don the guy who gets hung yeah if you swap the actors you could it still would have worked with john malkovich because this big actor playing this like rival um gallery owner but i don't know tom sturridge personally not i can think of if you'd put him as that artist it would have been a throwaway yes and having him just over the credits just wouldn't have been as impactful but as when we watch private private life i like the credits how you just have them sitting there yeah in real time i like when there's something and the credits aren't just credits like even with kids films when there's something happening you can keep your attention on yeah especially like in this day and age where there's normally something after the credits and you yeah. have to watch all the credits so it's nice when they bother you put almost feel cheated when it's a film that doesn't have anything after the credits now yes yeah <laughs> you're like no uh, you should have something um yeah i mean i would say if if we're going to focus on the cast at the moment rene russo obviously thor's mum yeah um kind of considering she's one of the first characters you meet one of the last characters you see she's in it all the time i also think she's entirely forgettable yeah there's not enough to the character is there no, and it's almost like they wrote a list of characters, and then but next to each one they wrote a character trait. They went right. More is this ruthless, this ruthless um, reviewer. Um, Rene is this this ruthless owner, and that is literally the character trait they've gone with for the whole film. Yeah, yeah. Um, now reading about it, uh, Dan Gilroy has kind of said the whole point is you get this story told through different characters. Yeah, and I actually think that it was another way that the film actually suffered, if anything. Yeah, uh, because some of the characters came in, and you just didn't care. No, you know what I mean. Problem. And when I again, when I did my my research, that a lot of the things they kept saying, even Dan Gilroy said he was going for a feel of a film called The Player or The Players. Yes, which I I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't know. But, very much, I believe, sells itself on being a a whole ensemble piece. Yeah. So it's not a, a lead character. It's a group of people that you follow. To be honest, that's uh, sort of a route, in a way, that Quentin Tarantino tends to take. Uh, t- Tarantino films are quite often jigsaw pieces uh, told through many. He has big ensembles. Yeah. But wholly more successful. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't know if Dan Gilroy thought that this was going to be some sort of Pulp Fiction for him. I, I, you know, yeah, it felt it felt like there was more idea behind it, and the actual like physical doing just didn't go. Yeah, just didn't live up to what it was meant to be. Now, I mean, finding pluses, two pluses I have is I like some of the cast generally. Yeah, I am warming to Jake and more because I never used to like him. Yeah, uh, having basically, I feel like I've seen uh, Zoe Ashton at the start of her career. So the fact that she's now in like Hollywood films, I like. I like to see where her career will go from this because this film only came out last year. 
Um, I did like Natalia Dyer in quite a small role, and it was yeah. one of the more likable. And John Malkovich is always interesting. Yeah, but those are the ones that I'd go. You you're standing you stand out to me almost by default because of the others just kind of step back. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I recognised uh, Dai Diggs, who's Damrich, who is the creator who creates the sphere and gets with Josephina. I, I recognise his face, but I don't know if I actually I know him from anything. didn't know him at all. Not, not a clue. No. no. Uh, and as I've already said, we both said, we didn't know Tom Sturridge. The name rings a bell. No. But I yeah, didn't same here. Um, but no, I kind of... So from a cast point of view... I I don't know if there's anything else to say. They they do what they, some of them do what they can with it. Yeah, but I would have expected more with such a level of actor in it. Yeah, it had enough good quality performance in it that it should have delivered more than it did. Yes, yeah. Um, again, it's another thing. Um, I think it could. It started off because of the art gallery side of it. It felt like it could have been a play. Yeah, I could have said that. Yeah, but then obviously, I would actually, to be honest, I'd love to see a play where the art comes to life. But <laughs> that would actually be quite interesting. Uh, and maybe that's maybe this film has missed its medium. Maybe it shouldn't have been a film. Maybe, maybe. it should have been a play because actually, monkeys come out of a painting and killing someone. That would be quite interesting to pull off on the stage. Yeah. yeah, but in this film, I I had to keep reminding myself that I was reviewing it, so I had to pay attention. Yeah, well, as I said, I I didn't plan to drift off in it. I just did. Yeah, you didn't and, um, tell yourself that you've got a review. No. <laughs> um, but I say I, I, I struggled. It struggled to keep my attention, much like High Flying Bird did. But obviously, there was a difference. I'm not, High Flying Bird. I had zero interest in the actual content of what it was t- trying to tell us. This time I was a bit more interested. I wanted to see where it was going. It just didn't hold my attention. No. Um, I mean, from a, a supernatural horror point of view, it's our first one we've had to review on the Manic Film Club. Yeah. It's just a shame that, considering we both kind of like supernatural horrors, this yeah. didn't really <laughs> tick the box, did it? No. No. Um, let's just talk about direction. Anything stand out to you? Not massively, to be honest. I, f- I I generally found a lot of it quite bland. I think it tried to be artistic at points, which fit the uh, first part of the film. Yeah. But it's difficult to be artistic and independent filmmaker when you've got, well, killer paintings. You know what I mean? It's kind of... You've got to accept what you are at that point. <laughs> Nothing stood out to me really in the film that I can think of. I say there are mo- I didn't hate it. There were moments I liked. So, some Name of the deaths. Some. Name well, some. as I said, the deaths. The, all the deaths did stand out. I disagree. Really? I actually disagree. Yes. Um, I mean, uh, for me, I mean, they stood out in the fact that generally the rest of the film, to the point of if, if I, to be honest, if I hadn't seen a uh, synopsis before kind of warning me and let me know that there was a supernatural element to it I think I'd have felt more like I felt watching High Flying Bird because I went into that knowing I wasn't going to enjoy it so but the fact that I, I feel like the tease, yeah, yeah. yeah if I had a, if I hadn't had that tease I think I would have just 
I'd have been sitting there going, this is this is abysmal. But I was hoping for more, and the deaths definitely did stand out to me. I would say, considering this actually, in theory, is more my sort of thing, um, I feel I probably preferred High Flying Bird because I understood what it was trying to do at the end of it. Yeah, if it I just, didn't enjoy it. Yeah. At the end of this film, I kind of just didn't care. Yeah, that's the problem. By the end of this, you'd kind of lost interest. I'm glad. I mean, obviously, all the films that we're reviewing are all Netflix originals. So I'm pretty glad that I didn't pay to see this at the cinema. Oh, no, I fully agree. I wouldn't have wanted to pay to see this. No, I would have been disappointed. Likewise, if I'd I'd been flicking through like Amazon Prime and I'd rented this for like $3.99, I'd have been disappointed. Yes. Yeah. As I said, the deaths definitely stood out to me, but even they did feel a bit half half hearted. Forgetting how to talk here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the monkey painting was pretty was one of the highlights of the deaths, and I mean, I suppose the sphere was because I will remember it. I will, in all fairness, also remember. Well, I say possibly the the tattoo of a buzzsaw. Yeah. Killing the person it's on. That's yeah. always an image to go with, isn't it? I, I don't know about you, but you yeah. know the whole thing of, and we've mentioned it before in these, of don't put a gun in Act 1 if you're not going to fire it in Act 3, yeah? Yeah. And this did that because I called it in my own head when the film opened and he walked up to this robotic hobo. I went, that's going to be something to do with him. Yeah. Because he made such well, a thing of it and it focused I, on it. I didn't because I didn't know it was a supernatural horror. No. So well, no, I, no, no. But he, I mean, I did at that point, but even that, I kind of thought that's going to have some importance, even if it was just appeared in imagery later. Yes. It felt important. Although it's actually the death that kind of doesn't make sense to me because all the other deaths manipulate, all the other like deaths involved the curse or the spirit manipulating artwork that was already around. So, for example, um, Josephina, while she's waiting for a tow truck, the wall behind her kind of opens up into an, another art gallery. Uh, that's pre okay. that's pre existing art that works it, but the hobo when it appears in his storage unit at the end, there's no logic for it to already be there, which means that it woke up wherever it was and came there. Uh, it's not like all the other art pieces that kill someone are already around that person. They're in the natural environment where they are, and they just kind of do what they do while they're around. That hobo robot thing had to come from somewhere to find him. So it kind of it kind of felt. Did a it bit... do that, or was it there? Had it been bought? No, because it, it actually in... went. The whole point is, he hears a door open and shut. He steps out of his storage unit, and it's just standing in the middle of the hallway, in his storage unit down the bottom of the hallway. It just felt like the other ones. If you go looking for like explanation and plausibility in the way they've set their rules, it looked yeah. like these paintings were affecting other artwork, which were already around people. But that one yeah. just felt like it wasn't within his natural vicinity and had to find him. It, but uh, I you can't wonder, put logic to it, I suppose. Unlike the other characters, he was being continually haunted. Yeah. yeah so maybe, true. maybe the point is they had to go after him. <laughs> because actually, yeah. it, he could have, in theory, been the first death. I thought he was actually going to be the only one to survive. Because no, the problem is... He but he realised that the um, 
the Dees paintings were linked to the fact that people were selling them and profiting from them, so therefore not being used for their normal thing. I thought the fact that he was trying to right that wrong by telling people about it and like basically suiciding his career, I thought the paintings would judge him as almost worthy and be like, you're trying to right the wrong? But yeah. I suppose he'd already done enough wrong by criticising. Yeah, because someone else had killed themselves. Yeah. So, he'd yeah. been responsible, kind yeah. of, for someone's death. But my mind had gone down the thing of he was trying to basically prevent these paintings from being spread anymore. Yeah, but the film, maybe you would have written a better film. Maybe, maybe. Maybe it would have made a bit more sense. <laughs> maybe, indeed. Um, is there anything else you want to point out about it? No. I don't think there is for me either. No. Shall we move on to the rating? Yeah. Okay, well, here on the Manic Film Club, we don't rate the films on a scale of, like, 1 to 100, like other reviews, such as Rotten Tomatoes, which Only is a, 60, it's a 63%. <laughs> well, like, if you see, like, Empire and all the magazines, they do scales, they, don't they? They, they tend to do, like, marks out of five or yeah. something like that. Um, but we, we don't do that. And I say Rotten Tomatoes is a 63, so it's just half over. And actually, 50. IMDb is six point something. Is it? Okay. Yeah, so it's so all it's in about the, the averages, yeah. But we don't do that. We yeah. simply rate it a hit or a miss. Yeah. If we class something a hit, that means that we enjoyed the film. We would suggest it to other people. We might rewatch it if it's got a rewatchability to it. Generally, we thought it was a good film. And a miss is direct opposite, simple as. We have once or twice done soft hits where we've enjoyed the film, but we don't think we'd want to watch it again or suggest it to people, maybe. Mm-hmm. But we didn't feel it was right to miss it. But so it's a hit or miss, so Tobias. How would you rate Velvet Buzzsaw? Big old miss. <laughs> or oh, big old miss. Big old miss. Oh, wait, Tobias. Um, yeah. I think you're fine with my rating here. This is the first full Miss Manic. <laughs> full <laughs> Manic Miss. The full oh, Manic yeah. Miss. Miss Manic. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's almost like a, a weird spin-off of the Little Miss comics, isn't it? <laughs> oh, this man. is the first Manic Miss, I think, you're fine then, because it was definitely a miss for me as well. Yeah, I don't think either of us can find that enough saving graces no. the the one thing i can say for it in almost a saving grace but not enough to actually save it is that i can see myself mentioning the film to someone because it it's got a weird enough premise that paintings kill someone i could see me mentioning it maybe in conversation if the right topic came up but i can't see me suggesting it to people and i will i have no need to watch this film again i honestly believe i'll forget I might accidentally, yeah. in a couple of years, switch it on, forgetting that I've seen it. The thing is, the title, if you, if you don't read it, it could easily be like a gangster film or any... You could put anything to that title, really. Yeah. And that's that was one of my points of why did they call it that? Why did I they call it Velvet Buzzle? I think they gave it the wrong title, to be honest. Considering that her... I think it's the fact that it focused around her to the point that it was to do with her gallery and all that. But I think they could have given it a, a better... A better title. Yeah, it was a push. It, it's like a fancy killer name. Killer paintings from space. Not from space. That we is one thing. That. We do. We do know it's not from space. The paint. Maybe the canvases that they were all painted on were actually from space. <laughs> no, but this is definitely a full manic miss for me. Definitely without yeah, Definitely. So, Tobias. Yeah. What are we watch next? <clears throat> Hopefully, something better. Oh, right. I would have thought so. <laughs> Right, well, in the next episode of the Manic Film Club, we will be reviewing El Camino. Fugitive Jesse Pinkman attempts to outrun his past. Written and directed by Breaking Bad creator Vince Gilligan, starring Aaron Paul. Ooh, Breaking Bad, Jesse Pinkman, that all sounds 
oddly familiar. It's almost like we might like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one's got a much more hopeful thought going into it. I will it? say, it's been a long time since I've seen Breaking Bad. <laughs> I'm considering rewatching the final just to kind of put my mind back in the world. I'm not doing that. Yeah, I mean, I'm I probably not... won't. I'm just saying, my mind. I tell you what, though, what? if halfway through paintings start killing him, <laughs> I'm not going to be happy. Oh no. oh no. Um, I mean, I am interested to see this one. And I've, I've, since I found out it was on the initial list of these things, I have held back from watching it. Yeah. Because I probably would have thought... I, the situation of me maybe watching this one would have come up by now. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm generally quite looking forward to this one. Yeah, I mean, I really liked Breaking Bad. Yeah. Um, but I did do that thing where I didn't get into it until it was all out. Yeah. So I binged it really quickly. And that means that I didn't. It didn't just take over a long period of time for no, me. And also, the thing, the thing that Breaking Bad does very well is it does set itself up on slow burn stuff. Yeah. Like with the whole Gus storyline, it introduced him and then drip fed how villainous he was until they kind of finished yeah. it off. Same I'm with cousin... I will have forgotten a lot. Yeah, um, but I'm hoping it's been made with enough thought that you could just sit and watch it. It if you're it has a film... to have been, surely you kind of got to think, right, people may watch me, which didn't watch the series. The fact of the matter is, it's not titled Breaking Bad El Camino. No, it's just El Camino. So it's Although, published as its own film. We do, right, we say that. It has got the BR and the BA little kind of icons Yeah, from the periodic table. I think they're trying to be clear that it's part of that story. Yes. Although, the, the image is basically a desert. There's nothing to really suggest... No. That it is otherwise, uh, but yeah. So I well, I'm looking forward to it over what we've just watched. Certainly, definitely without a doubt. Yeah. So yeah, the next one we're going to watch is El Camino. If you want to watch along, as of now, when this episode releases, you've got two weeks as we will be reviewing this, and it will come out on the eighth of July, 2020. We'll be into July. <laughs> will we? Yes, we will. <laughs> I know, right? Considering that this show didn't exist before lockdown started. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. But no, El Camino. So I think we're looking forward to that, and we hope you guys are yeah. as well. Now, do you agree with what we've said about Velvet Buzzsaw? Did you see something we didn't? Did you enjoy the more artsy parts of the film compared to the odd, mediocre deaths? Let us know at Twitter at the Manic Two Ends. Very, Very important. important. And will you be doing a poll for this one, Tobias? A uh, big old poll. All the uh, it will come out where you can say hit or miss. Yeah. We all like to hit or miss. What was the Would last you... one? The last one. Good question. I will just have to check. <laughs> uh, I'm actually in my personal Twitter, so I'll go over to ours. Well, while you're looking at that, I will say that I, I have just told a lie, technically. This isn't our first miss because we watched High Flying Bird. Yeah, but we liked it a little bit better. And also, <laughs> what we did, we, we did miss it. I believe the public liked it. Yeah, so this is definitely more of a... I think this is more likely to be a full miss. Right. Now, what did we give a futile and stupid gesture? We gave it a miss, didn't we? Oh. No, I, I, I think I soft... I I was going to, but I had spoken about it, so I ended up soft hitting it. I'm pretty well, sure because the the public gave it a 100 percent hit. 
No. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, they okay. destroyed us. <laughs> well, the thing is, as I said, the thing about it was it was interesting. There were It was interesting enough. It was just the fact that I don't think I'd have rewatched it, which made me want to miss it. Yeah. Um, but I did find myself talking about it. I literally, uh, the day after watching it, spoke to my, my parents about it. True, yeah. So I yeah. couldn't, I didn't feel right missing it compared to this film, which, as I said, I may end up talking to someone about one day, but I'm not going to seek out a conversation to do with it. No. I, I'm moving on with my life as soon as this podcast is done. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> I might go back and watch High Flying Bird. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I might see it in a new light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if only this film had been uh, recorded on an iPhone. I know, we'd have had so much positive to say about it. But then it would have become a found footage film. <laughs> oh, it would have, wouldn't it? Yeah. Just through all the security cameras in the galleries. Although, who knows, that might have made a better film. I'll tell you what. Actually, there is a scene. Like, when uh, Josephina is getting her death and she's basically being take- taken over by the paint, <laughs> Yeah. Um, there is a scene where all the paint covers the phone. What if it had all been found footage and actually we as the audience in the phone, the last image of the scene is the paint just coming right. over the screen. <laughs> now you see, these are really clever creative devices that they could have done, but they didn't. And that's uh, why we've rated it a full minute. <laughs> now, as I said, you can check out the polls on Twitter as well as just generally keeping up to date with what we're doing. We also have our Tumblr, which is the Manic Podcast. Again, it's always two ends. We say it's very important for a reason. Yes, you might not find us if you don't put that second end. No, in. no. So Otherwise, go and check the word Manic just could mean anything well yeah what you're, what you're up to at the moment on the old tumblr you got something running on there or uh not running not a continuous running uh in the the current the current article that i put up was me trying to predict the cast of the next christopher nolan film Ooh. because tenet is about to come out well in july maybe yeah um and i was because i just recently watched uh, inception and i just thought He's got a lot of reoccurring actors who he likes to work with in multiple films. Uh, So I thought, I wonder if I did make a quick prediction, if I could work out who Christopher Nolan is going to go and cast. So, yeah, uh, yeah, if you want to know who, go and check our Tumblr out. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Now, apart from that, Tobias, I believe it's time to say goodbye. Bye, you lovely people. Oh, that was was very, very sensual. I like that. Stay safe, guys and gals, and everyone else. Chipmunks. <laughs> All the chipmunks stay safe. And most importantly, <laughs> chipmunk or human, stay manic. Stay manic.